Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is this is TJ Wilson, aka Tyson Kid, and you're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time. Your host, Stu Harbour. My guest who is returning after promoting the latest VCW show, which was back last month, he is returning. It is George Panthers, the owner and commissioner of Virginia Championship Wrestling. George's father moved in the early 60s to America from Greece to make a better life for his family. And George and the family followed on in 1966. George has been around the business since 1970 as a fan and then taking videos and pictures for the then NWA promoter for Virginia and the area, Joe Mernick. George has struck up some great friendships with Hall of Famers within the WWE, Ric Flair, JJ Dillon. Ric Flair and JJ have been involved at VCW Forum over the years and the late, great Rowdy Roddy Piper too. There's some great photos on this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, there's an array of photos from George's career in the business and his life in the business. George's footage has been used by the WWE on the WWE Network, no less. And it's also led to having a great relationship with Ben Brown, the archivist at the WWE Warehouse in Stamford, Connecticut. Anytime WWE are in the locality of Virginia, George is always welcome to come to the shows. And it also led to tickets for WrestleMania 30 back in 2014. I was at the show, so we had some great stories, some good back and forth stuff about our experiences at WrestleMania 30. But let's get into the episode. It's episode 105 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast with the owner and commissioner of Virginia Championship Wrestling. It is Mr. George Pantis, fellow European and a Greek. Enjoy. Now, George, I'm going to get into your life, your route into the business. Now, I could have you on for six episodes, I think, with all the accolades you've got and stuff you've done within the business, but it was nice to see that you emigrated, your family emigrated in 1966 from Greece to Virginia, and uh, I know you watched wrestling very early on, and then you attended your first show in 71, if I'm correct there. Very good. In Hampton, Virginia. And it was the first show, wasn't it, in Hampton, Virginia? Yes, it was. Very good. Yes. Father actually just, uh, father actually came over in 1964. We were very poor. He wanted something better for his family. And so we had a relative here that, that, that would always invite my father to come. 
my father came as a tourist, he actually had an opp opportunity. Back in those years, uh, the, those wanting better for their, for their families would either come to America, of course, or honestly, if my father had never come to America, I would more than likely have been in Australia because he was considering going to Australia. Yeah, did really, um, yeah. Because uh, at that point, uh, the borders were open, for lack of a better word. They accepted everyone. And so you did not need special invitations. And then, and then, um, and if that had not happened, I would say I would have probably been in Germany, you know, working at a factory or something like that, which is what a lot of my friends that um, from my village wound up doing. And so God bless my uncle George that brought my father over here. And I say uncle, he was really a distant cousin, but you know, we, we show respect. And so brought my father over as a tourist. My father had a skill in Greece. He was a tinsmith, T-I-N, yes. And so because of that, he was able to stay in America because he had a skill and the boss of a factory wanted him to stay here. And then he worked very hard. I want everyone here to hear this. It was actually, it was actually 32 years ago this week that he oh. passed, that oh. he passed, yes, uh, from cancer, very young. And, um, but he worked very hard. And in two years, he was able to save from eight in the morning until 10 at night, a very hard physical job, Monday through Saturday. And then Sunday, the only day of rest, he was a cantor, a chanter in the Greek, Greek Orthodox. And he, on church, and he would go to church and, and chant there. So seven days a week he worked. But God bless him. Wow. Saved enough money to bring us to, a, to send us every month, to put a down payment on a little home and bring us to America. So my mother, sister, and I came in 1966, and uh, I started working in 1968, and I quickly discovered, like you said, uh, wrestling on, on TV, professional wrestling, and I, I was drawn to it because of that Greek connection. You know, I knew what wrestling was for, uh, in regards to the Olympics, not this Americanized professional wrestling version, but, but I was hooked immediately. And then talk about a blessing at living in Hampton, literally not even a 10-minute drive from my house was the Hampton Coliseum. And my father made it very clear. He saw how much I loved it. He said, George, as long as you bring in good grades, you're welcome to go. And so I, and so I made sure, even though it was very difficult because I did not speak a word of English. Uh, but, you know, I made sure I kept my grades up so that way I could go to the matches and then we'll take it from there what happened next and how I... I met some of the wrestlers. Who can you remember from that show in '71? Um, obviously, I'm, I know you're going to be able to recount who was on the car, but yeah, just some standout moments that stayed with you from that first show. Who was there? Who you enjoyed watching? Because uh, it's just amazing. I love hearing about the '70s and further back. Yes, yes, and of course, as you said, further back. So my favorite, uh, for whatever reason, I honestly have always been drawn to the bad guys. And so uh, uh, because of that, my favorite team at that time were Rip Hawk and Sweet Hansen, managed by Playboy Gary Hart. Uh, they were an, an incredible team. Gary Hart, for those listening, uh, was just an amazing talent. Highly recommend uh, everyone to, uh, uh, to look him up because he actually was the booker for the world-class wrestling Absolutely. of the Vineris. Absolutely. And, and, and just what the, mind. Yes, and so uh, they were in one of the matches. Uh, Johnny Weaver and George Becker were the, were the baby faces, the, the ones that fans loved, and they were in, in the matches as well. 
And then I had a favorite called Argentina Apollo. He was sort of like the Dominic DiNucci of the WWF, so he was very acrobatic. And uh, doing a lot of cartwheels, did not have wrestling boots on. Uh, those were some of the matches that, that I remember were in the main event, and I was enthralled. And somewhere, uh, somewhere here, uh, I have a picture of, uh, of the next day wrestling um, was covered by the newspaper. And there's a picture of this young man walking onto the ring. And that was me. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Back then, they allowed to do those kind of things. The fans were allowed to be right there by, by the ring and get autographs from the wrestlers. And I was one of those. And uh, oh, my gosh. But I was Amazing. very blessed to live in this area to, uh, to not only experience Jim Crockett promotions, but to go from the Hampton Coliseum to the Norfolk Scope, which was no more than 30 minutes away with a car, not even, more like 25 minutes. You're in a perfect place between the two yes. venues then. Brilliant. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Now, I was reading a little bit more on your backstory. I know you've done an article for Pro Wrestling Story, so there's a lot of good information there for me to find out some more stuff. But Joe Mernick, who was local promoter and a commentator, now he kind of took you under his wing, didn't he? He was like a father figure he to did. you, Mr. Mernick. If it was Yes, sir. If it was not for Joe Mernick, George Pontus, and my involvement in professional wrestling would not uh, be what it is today. So I honor and respect Mr. Mernick. Joe Mernick actually was not, uh, local promoter would not be a good word. He promoted, he, he worked with Jim Crockett. He was honestly one of uh, Jim Crockett's, the father, right-hand man. And they were both out of the Carolinas. And Joe Mernick, his territory of promoting was here, the Hampton Roads area, Richmond, Virginia, Hampton, uh, Norfolk, also um, out in uh, the western part of Virginia, and as well as in North Carolina in, in several cities over there. And so what they would do in those days, they would film down in Raleigh uh, at, the, at the TV station and then take the footage Bring it, it was called bicycling, but not in the sense of getting on an actual bicycle, just, just taking the tape. He would drive it up here, bring it to the, our local affiliate uh, for NBC, Wavy Channel 10, and they would air the show. And they, they had a barter system set up, basically. That was how it worked back then, where the, the promoter would provide the station with a, with a show. In return, they would be granted time to promote the local matches, and then the TV station would sell the remaining time for commercial. And it was a win-win situation for everybody. When Joe would, uh, would drop off the footage here, he would then go to the newspaper to buy, obviously, advertising for the shows. And my blessing, my second blessing, the first blessing was Mr. Mernick. The second blessing was that the editor for the sports and the one who handled all the, all the advertising was another Greek man. Tony Anthony, actually from Cyprus, to be specific. We, we knew each other from the church, much older than I. And Joe Mernick and Tony Anthony were, became very close friends. And then what really opened up the door for me was, I, went, I was at one of the shows. Tony came there. Mr. Mernick, who did not always come to the show, so a lot of times he would have his sons that would run the business, uh, happened to be there. And Tony introduced me to Mr. Mernick and asked if, uh, if Mr. Mernick would... Uh, would take care of me would, would, uh, would, as a personal favor. And that, that was it. 
that was the that was what happened and the blessing for me because i have i've always been a frustrated director so i i started with a super with a regular eight millimeter camera silent eventually progressed to a super eight sound camera and uh thanks to mr mernick i was allowed now remember this is back when kayfabe was kayfabe and uh, when when everything when it was next to impossible to get inside the business if you will not that i was inside the business but he allowed me to be right there by the ring apron and film the young rick flares young ricky steamboats you name it jerry briscoe's what I mentioned earlier with Rip Hawkins, Sweet Hanson, and Gary Hart. I mean, I could, the list goes on and on. Uh, the champions that, that came by, the Greg Valentines, the Harley Races, Body Rogers. What I, and I don't know if you want to get into this, but uh, one of the, my claims to fame in recent years is that I was able to film the only known arena footage of Body Rogers, the original Nature Boy, versus Ric Flair. Wow. And they, they only wrestled three times, and uh, I, I was fortunate enough to get the get that uh, in, at the Norfolk Scope, 1979, November 22nd. And of course, at the end of the of that three serious matches, Ric Flair winds up uh, defeating Buddy, and that's how Ric Flair became the Nature Boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, the your footage has been used by WWE. Uh, for the network as well that's amazing and also i watched the series most wanted treasures I did watch that the a and e series over here managed to get it uh, and and your footage wound up on there and you've also helped aren't you with him locating memorabilia from what i could gather from what i've uh, you know seen in uh, print form on you yes yes indeed and also my footage was used on another incredible documentary called jim crockett promotions the good old days which fans can find it on highspots.com. And um, the, uh, the director, Michael Elliott, did an amazing job interviewing many of the gym. This was back in 2013. And did an amazing job interviewing the J.J. Dillons, the, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, you know, all, the, all the, the names from Jim Crockett at that time. And the only footage that is on that documentary of the different matches is my footage and it, it really it, it that was one of the things that kind of brought to the attention uh, of what i had for wwe and when i sent them what i had done for for, for the documentary they were very interested and then that opened the door for us to negotiate a deal and we were able to uh, to come out to an understanding i sold them about six hours worth of footage wow. And and they have used, uh, thank God, I'm not going to say a lot. I wish they would use more. But, you know, I was. it was difficult to sell it to them in the sense that it's not going to be mine anymore. But it was just sitting there in my closet. At least now the fans can, can appreciate it and, and can see it and, and see that history. One of my favorite questions that Ric Flair has been asked by many people is, hey, we've seen your matches against Ricky Steamboat. Uh, back in 1989 and what incredible matches and Rick would always say yes thank you they were great matches but they were even greater back in the early 80s in the arena when there was no film footage of it well George has film footage of it and now WWE has it and and yes 
I've, I've often have been asked, George, what have been some of your favorite matches? I can honestly tell you my, my favorite match of all time was when Ric Flair wrestled Ricky Steamboat for an hour and a half. Oh they had wrestled two weeks before, and it went to an hour draw, so they came back, sold out. They came back to an hour and a half draw. I mean, think about that. To hold the fans' interest for that length of time. And, oh, it was just incredible. It was just incredible. So he wasn't I, I just... All, all of it, but I have you know, snippets of it. He wasn't just heralded as a 60-minute man, then it's the 90-minute man. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And you're right. People need to start recognizing that. And I need to make more people aware. So thank you. Thank you for catching that. So yes, so the transition of the footage to answer your question is once I sold it to WWE, they've been able to use it. Um, very honest here, uh, I haven't been able to find it as far as on the Peacock which is our version of what WWE decided to do is they had the network, of course, and then they sold it or at least have allowed uh, Peacock to, um, to show WWE content for the next couple of years. And I just read for, for European fans, I just literally read that uh, WWE has inked a deal with Disney. Yes. And that's going to open up doors for uh, footage being seen more easily uh, over, over in Europe and Indonesia and many other places. Uh, so hopefully the fans will be able to see you know, my footage there as well. And so they were able to show a lot of, of my Ric Flair matches that I filmed on the network. And like you said, uh, they reached out to me in regards to, uh, um, to the WWE Most Wanted Treasures. Now, now you did catch me by surprise. So I'm going to ask you a question. I didn't think when the show was coming on, I would see comments on Facebook and other social media that over in Europe, they were not able to see it. So dare I ask, how were you able to see it? The, the, tre the Treasures series. Yes. Uh, I, I had to, I had to uh, get some links. And uh, yeah, <laughs> let's just say not, not the most legal of ways, but you've got to do what you've got to do sometimes. You know, yes, I have I have not posted the footage, so I can't be done for piracy. But at the end of the day, you know how, how it is. You can obtain footage, not in the official way, as I it do, were. I do, and, I have, and I have been there before. <laughs> and I, I, had to, I had to watch the series because I've, I've watched from 1990 onwards. That's when I began watching wrestling. And uh, what, what a series, George. It was so well done. And, and before we get into it, uh, let's, let's, if the fans are not aware, and I don't know if, well, let me ask you, is, uh, are you able to uh, order anything off Amazon where yes. you are? Yeah, Amazon is all, yeah, all systems go, Prime and everything. Yeah, we can get stuff. Then guess what? I'm looking it up right now to um, make sure I say it correctly, but I am positive. I, I saw, I saw that, um, most Wanted Treasures is available on Amazon. Right, okay. Yes. Get it on there, yeah. The official yes. way. The official the, way, yes. For the legitimate way. <laughs> and this just happened, so I'm very excited about that, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to making as many people aware about it. So, um, because uh, the producers were aware of my footage and what I had done, um, they reached out to me. And actually, it was um, they first they reached out to it's a small, the wrestling business is a small business in many ways. So um, one the gentleman who is Ron West, um, 
and uh, is a uh, is our VCW uh, referee owns the original Ric Flair Starcade robe, the one that he wore, as you know, since you've seen the footage, the one that he wore when he defeated Harley Race. So the the producers of the series reached out to um, West Potter is his real name. Okay, he goes by Ron West uh, as the referee reached out to him and interviewed him, and he's on the, the uh, Ric Flair footage, uh, of, of the episode, rather. Uh, and um, because Ron knew of my uh, footage with, uh, with uh, filming of the Jim Crockett promotions, he told one of the producers about me, and then they reached out to me, and then they found out my connection with me, knowing a lot of the wrestlers and other things, and it blossomed from there. So I was very blessed and being able not only to have snippets of my footage for, the, for several episodes, they used it for the Greg Valentine and, uh, uh, and uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and they also used it in the Ric Flair episode. But once they started looking for stuff, you know, I have connections through the years. This hair is not gray for just <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been around the band a few times. And so I was able to help them locate. Like one of the things they, they could not find, they, they of course did the series on uh, Andre the Giant, and they were looking for the, when he did the whole super machine over in Japan, and yes. then they brought it here in the WWWF. Well, I knew who had it, and it was Sonny Ono that had it. Sonny is a very dear friend of mine. And I was able to put them together, and then they went to his house. And so there's, it, it's, it's a blessing. My as a as a, you know, we haven't touched yet that I'm my other life, my real life, if you will. Uh, wrestling is a passion and a hobby that I was able to turn into into a business, if you will. But what paid the bills for me has been, of course, uh, education. And the history teacher in me, my number one goal is to make sure that the wrestling fans know the history of our business. That's why you put such a big smile on my face when you said, when you were asking me questions about the 60s and 70s and the wrestlers at that time, because it's important to know somebody has to open the door. When they ask the Beatles, you know, they, they talk about Chuck Berry, they talk about, uh, about you know, Elvis Presley and everybody else. Mm. History is just so important to, to continue to learn from and, of course, make it better. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, George, you've obviously got good relationships, amazing friendships with people within the business. Now, first person I'm going to ask about is your relationship, friendship with the legendary JJ Dillon, WWE Hall of Famer, of course. Did so many different things within the business at the top level. Yeah, your friendship with JJ Dillon, because he is a legend, the man's a legend. So proud to call him a very dear friend. And, you know... But I had, when, when I was in the classroom, I, I taught seniors the last few years, and one of the things I try to impress on my students is when you do good things, good things come back to you. Well, it started with my footage. I filmed, uh, J, I, I was a fan of JJ when he came to us, and at that point he was more of a journeyman wrestler, in the, not a main eventer. So he was first a wrestler fan, not, uh, not uh, the, the manager that we know him now. And... Um, I made him aware at one of the shows that I have some of his footage. We had talked, we had exchanged phone numbers. I get home one day, I check on the recording, and it's, hi, George, it's J.J. Dillon. 
do you still have that footage of, uh, that you said that you filmed back in uh, back in the in the seventies? This was early eighties that I got the phone call. Well, somebody's pulling a prank on me. JJ's calling me. At that point, our friendship had not really developed. Oh my God! So uh, I called him back. Yes, I do, and I. I Help him, you know, I, I sent it to him so he could transfer it over at that time VHS so he could have the, the footage. And then that, just, that started the, the bonding process between them. And one of my favorite stories, if I may share. Absolutely. Happened, happened at the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup the second year. The first year was the, the inaugural was over in New Orleans, which I went to that as well. The second one was over in Baltimore. And um, at that time, I would travel to the wrestling shows with a very, 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 very dear friend of mine, Robert Riddick. And he was actually one of the photographers for the wrestling people know Bill Apter and all his famous magazines. Uh, there's also another very famous one named George Napolitano. And George had his set of wrestling magazines. And I helped in, uh, in getting uh, Bobby, I called my friend. He also has passed away, gosh, about six, seven years ago now. But to get him in with George and Bobby would shoot the, uh, you know, and cover for the magazines, the, the Jim Crockett promotions and matches that would happen here. So he and I quickly became very good friends. He was my best friend. And we would go to the different matches. And so on the way up, I kept talking about how J.J. Dillon and I are very good friends and, and, uh, and I can't wait to see him. And Bobby's like, yeah, right. Yeah, sure, sure. So we get there, and Gary Jester, does that name uh, do anything for you? Gary no, I, I've, got, I've got to be honest, no. It, it's okay. Look him up. He's amazing. Gary Jester was one of the promoters for Jim Crockett Promotions. He actually promoted Baltimore and other areas. Uh, very, very instrumental with Ring of Honor up until, uh, you know, they went on hiatus. And so through Gary Jester, we were able to get ringside seats. I mean, right there, uh, front, second row. And so uh, JJ, uh, it was a tournament. And JJ is, uh, is coming out with, uh, with, I think he came out with Lex Luger and, and somebody else. And I'm yelling, JJ, JJ. And he's, of course, focused. He's not responding to me. Bobby's looking at me. This is at the, the night of the matches. Bobby's looking at me. He's like, I told you. You saying you know JJ is a friend and and look he's not even acknowledging you, so the matches are over. He uh, finishes. He's walking back. He meaning JJ. I'm again. I'm saying JJ, JJ. No response. He no sold me. But now the it was Friday and Saturday night the match. So now it's Friday night. The first matches are over. We're at the Marriott there, the favorite hanging place of the of Nature Boy and everybody else. We're at the bar. In walks JJ, comes straight to me. This is my favorite part of the story. With Bobby next to me, and the first thing uh, that JJ says was, "George, I'm sorry I didn't turn around and respond to you, but you know I'm a bad guy. I have to stay in character, and I, and I couldn't turn around and acknowledge you." I'm like, you know, ah, "Of course, oh that's okay, JJ, no problem." And I'm looking at Bobby. I told you. I told. <laughs> The best, part story, the best part of the story was we had a table and then JJ came over to, and sat at our table there. You know, we were everybody having drinks and having a good time. 
And because JJ came there, so did all the other rest. Lex Luger, uh, Jim Cornette, uh, you name Rick Flair, I mean, you name it. Everybody came over there, and it was just one of those magical pinch me moments that I, I have ingrained in, in my head. And it's two o'clock now. It's two o'clock in the morning. They shut down the bar, and Rick Flair says, "Okay, we're going to continue this up in my room." So we continued it there, and that's where the story is going to end. <laughs> Absolutely, now not absolutely. It's got to, yeah. We can't open the shutters to that one, though. That's uh, very, uh, very, <laughs> very respectful. But yeah, we've heard about Mr. Flair and the extra <laughs> extracurricular stuff after shows and into the early hours, uh, early morning. Amazing, great stories. Now, can I ask about when you had Roddy Piper? for VCW, for Virginia Championship Wrestling. And he did a Piper's Pit segment at the show. So, yeah, just how was Roddy? Because, I, again, I just hear so much great stuff about Roddy. Just an, an amazing, amazing human being. But, you know, I get excited and I, and I talk and I, and I left out another important part about JJ that I'd like to okay. come back to. Okay, bit. yeah. So that friendship developed, as we said, and continued to become uh, great through the years. And so I'm like, oh. This is when I was having those issues with, uh, with Jerry Stefanichis interfering in the matches. And so I decided to bring Jay, this was in 2017, to bring JJ in to help me uh, manage one of the wrestlers that he was, um, that, that Jerry's wrestler, Brandon Scott, who's on the show February the 5th, um, and be there to hopefully stop Jerry from uh, doing anything illegal, if you will. Well, at that point, uh, JJ also had a podcast, and for a month he talked about how he's going to come down and help his best friend George and keep everything straight, and couldn't wait to come. And he did come, and he turned on me. Oh no! He wound, he wound up. I, I oh, couldn't. No. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. When I asked him afterwards, George, I, I got caught up in the moment. <laughs> I'm the dirtiest player in the game. I, 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 I just got caught up in the moment. But so instead of helping me, he wound up helping Brandon Scott to keep the title. And then when I went in to see what happened, he took his shoe and whacked me one with it. So I, I couldn't believe it. But I have to tell you, the kid inside of me was like, oh, my God. I just got hit by, uh, by JJ's shoe. It doesn't get any better than this. As much as it, it, it hurt me, the kid in me was like living the moment that uh, that I was experiencing this because, as we know, that was uh, JJ's mo. He would take the shoe off and help uh, the Ric Flair and everybody else uh, win those matches. So I wanted to make sure I shared that. But now, as far as uh, Roddy Piper, my God, the heart and soul of an incredible human being. I had heard that about him, but until you know, until you see someone in in, uh, in person, you never know. Uh, we, you'll, get, you'll get some people, they, they say, uh, sometimes it's not a good idea to meet your idols. Well, it was amazing meeting him, and I'm going to answer your question right now. And I also have a beautiful story of the heart of Ric Flair and my, and my father when he was ill that I want to I share as well, um, if time permits. You so with Rowdy, uh, we did a photo op, and it was not one of these... Hi, how you doing? Take a picture, move on. 
he made sure to answer questions that the fans had. He made, made sure that he was listening and responding. If they, if they brought up a memory and he remembered it, you know, he would respond to it. So I, I love that. And I had fan after fan, you know, at the next show tell me how much they respected Roddy even more because of that. The other thing that I noticed is that, and no one asked him to do this, he watched every match and then would, would pull the, the guys aside to tell them, okay, this is what I saw you do. This is, you know, what you can do better, or good for what you did here. That just spoke volumes about the man, that he cared enough. He cared enough. And when I asked him, I said, well, thank you for doing that. Did, 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 uh, you know, somebody asked, I said, no, George, I, I love this business. I, I want to make sure it continues to grow. And then another pinch me moment for me, at that point, Jerry Stefanicius, through, his, through another lawyer of his, Spencer Chestnut, they wound up tricking me. I, was, they, I thought I was signing a, a, a contract to wrestle Jerry. And instead, in my zeal to just sign the contract, I didn't, you know, they say read the fine print. I didn't read the fine print. And I wound up signing to wrestle the then tag team BCW champions, uh, the Hall Stars, in a handicap match. And I'm not even a wrestler. <laughs> and I signed it. So I'm in the ring. And God bless Roddy Piper. He calls me. I, I shouldn't say I'm in the ring. He calls me in the ring, asks me what happened. I recap for him what I just shared with you. And he stopped. He tore up the contract and, and saved my day. My bodyguard was Roddy Piper. I was in a Piper's pit and Roddy Piper Amazing. saved me. Amazing. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it, this little boy. I'm, I'm getting emotional right now, legitimately. If someone would have said that this little boy from, uh, from Greece that came to America, not speaking a word of English, to be able to have these kind of experiences, it, it is why I love America so much. Uh, and, and when we're, as I said earlier, when you're a good person, good things come back to you. And we all have our trials and tribulations, let's be honest. But my, I have always been that very positive person. The, the cup for me is always half full. It's never half empty. And, and to have Roddy Piper uh, be that kind of a human being uh, of helping everyone. He even cut a promo. Uh, I think I'm, I've sent it to you. I don't know if you can somehow include it in the links later on. I can't. I can't. Uh, uh, when he spoke to my students, the importance of staying in school and what he went through. And I know you heard it. Uh, Absolutely. How powerful, right? How powerful. He was, he was on the streets as a youngster. Yes. Wasn't he? Yes. He had a tough he had a tough time there. It just goes yes. to show how, how tough he was. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. So that's that's my Roddy Piper story. And um do we do we have a minute for me to talk about uh Rick and uh, You've got you've got a shit. You call of course I've got time. Yeah, of Excellent. course got to we've got a, yeah, definitely your story about Rick for the viewers so, and listeners, George. My father was diagnosed with cancer. It was very sad at the house. My mother, of course, is crying. Uh, it was just very sad. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out a way to cheer them up. And I was there visiting on a Thursday night. And I'm like, huh, it's Thursday night. There, uh, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling is over at the Norfolk Scope. And, of course, this is pre-cell phones and everything else. He passed away in 1990. Uh, but there was a payphone in the back, and I knew the number. And so I called. Uh, and my thought process was if I could somehow, if I can get somebody that knows 
who I am, because by, at that point I was helping in the back. I was uh, helping whether it was taking the guys to the, you know, to the hotels afterwards, doing some errands in the back. Uh, I had become good friends with David Crockett, and because he would also come to uh, to the shows as well sometimes. And so um, I was allowed to go in the back. Is the point? So uh, I call and thank God, Wahoo McDaniel uh, answers the phone. Uh, he knew who I was. I explained what was happening with my father. And he says, hold on one minute. Now, I found out later the reason why Wahoo was so understanding is because his father was also sick. So when I talked about mine, he knew, okay, I need to do something here to help make this man feel better. And so even though, and again, I found this out later, even though Ric Flair was warming up to go out to a match, Wahoo gets him, puts him on the phone. I'm on another line because my father didn't really speak English very well. And so I hear Ric Flair say, uh, hello, Mr. Pontus, it's Ric Flair. I understand you're not feeling well. And my father's like, I, know, uh, uh, I like you very much. Uh, uh, I get up to see you on TV. At that point, he couldn't even, you know, he couldn't even do any of that anymore. But they talked for a few minutes. I would translate. And it was just one of those magical moments that, uh, that Rick, because the real Ric Flair is a gentleman always treats everyone with respect. Hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. Just an amazing human being. And for him to take the time to do that and to put a smile on my father's face, on my mother's face, for those few moments, he had forgotten the pain. And it was, he will always be the man for me. And then when we brought him in 2009, when he had his retirement match with uh, Shawn Michaels, we were one of the first independent promotions to have him come out and do photo ops and, uh, and, and comment, you know, with the fans. And I did the gorilla position for nature boy, Ric Flair. He's being introduced to go to the ring to talk. And I'm like, Rick, showtime. It was pinch me. I, I I can die now and go to wrestling heaven. <laughs> I did a real position for Rick Flair. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing mate. I, thank you for sharing that personal story about your father as well. That was, uh, no, I no, appreciate you sharing that story, George. I really do. Amazing story as well about the, about the man, about Nate. Absolutely. Now, you said about a guy, an Englishman, that you wanted to talk about, Bob Hope and your relationship with him. So we would be remiss not to talk about Bob Hope yeah, just uh, yeah, some background on Bob Hope, if you will. Yes, thank you. Uh, Bob Hope, as um, hopefully the fans know, he was born in England, came here very young, and, uh, and not only made a name for himself in the comedy world and in, in movies, but he was an amazing human being that during World War II would end um, up until the Vietnam War, really, and, and further on, every year Christmas time, he would go and entertain the troops in dangerous situations. I, I've read several of his books and, and you know, the planes were shot at, but he, there was, he came very close to losing his life. But he never stopped going to entertain the troops. Well, that, as, a, as an immigrant myself, to see another fellow European, another immigrant, you know, uh, embrace America like, like uh, he did and I did and to put his life on the line, it was someone, that, of course, I wanted to meet but more importantly, show respect for. And so um, I did have a chance to meet him briefly. Uh, and uh, also, 
uh, he was uh, being honored and respected at a program at the Kennedy Center in D.C. And that gave me a location where he was going to be back in, the, back in 1983. And so what I decided to do was to, on my own, is to send a telegram simply thanking him for being a great human being and for entertaining the troops. And I knew, you know, I don't know how it works now, but back then, if you sent a telegram, they had to put it in the actual hand of the person that you sent it to. So I knew he would see it. And my goal was for him to see it. And I'll be a little bit truthful. Uh, I thought he would send me a little something, you know, the, uh, it cost me $12 in 1983. You know, that was a lot of money for the little uh, history teacher back then. Um, so it was in July, I remember, and, uh, to, you know, full transparency here. Uh, I remember going through a little bit of some emotions. Oh, man, you didn't even send a little thank you. Yes, uh, July, August. <laughs> man, what a cheapskate. I can't believe this. This is, okay, well, whatever. He's a, he's a movie star, you know. He doesn't have time for little old me. And then, honestly, I forgot about it. That was it. You know, I don't dwell, as I mentioned earlier, I don't dwell in negativity. So now it's like January the 2nd or the 3rd. I get home, looking through my mail, and I see a card that says, Hollywood, California. Hollywood, California? I don't know anybody in Hollywood, California. I opened it up, and it was a Christmas card from Bob Hope. Every year, Stu, this is the most amazing part of the story. Every year until he died, which was like in 2003. So we're talking 20 years. Like clockwork, January 2nd, 3rd, I would receive. And it changed through the years it, from a Christmas card to a, a cassette of, of him and his wife singing songs to calendars to uh, CDs. And, and interestingly, also the, the Christmas cards changed through the years. It started with him and the family and the children and grandchildren to eventually just being like the two of them, you know, as, as life progresses. But how amazing is that? What kind of volume speaks about him that he would do that every year I would get a Christmas card. And I actually recently reviewed one of his, uh, um, the first female writer that uh, he had on his team. He actually, she actually wrote a book at where, uh, the veterans of World War II and their families would write to, uh, to Bob Hope. And he kept them all. Not only did he keep them, but he also wrote back to them. So they decided to put a book together. Uh, I think you, you're aware that I, like you, also like to interview people for, uh, for the newspaper. And I interviewed her recently, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be you know, putting it out in the paper in a few weeks. And she told the amazing story of how he would dictate letters back to those the families and and. The, uh, and soldiers. So I just want the world to know that this was not just a man that entertained us, but he entertained from the heart, was an amazing human being. And since uh, we're that part of the world, I wanted everyone to know what an amazing human being he was. Love, Bob Hope. Very heartwarming, that. That was nice. I, had, I, I know you want me to ask about that. So yeah, had to ask about him, absolutely. And yeah, just to extend off your writing... It's for the military newspaper, the flagship for the world's largest naval base. So, yeah, before we go, maybe just some of the stories you've done, some of the people you've interviewed for the, for the paper. That would be great yes. to hear about that. Well, one of the recent ones was, of course, Drew McIntyre. And uh, Drew being from uh, uh, there as well, just, I mean, I had tears when we were talking. And all these, all these by the way, are done by phone. 
right? I found okay. it. Uh, I, I found it a lot easier. You know, doing a Zoom meeting like this is great, uh, but especially if you're interviewing, you know, a female, for example, you know, she's got to do her makeup and everything else. I mean, I even had to get shaved this morning <laughs> here for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, George. I appreciate it. <laughs> so it's not, you know, it's not as easy to, to schedule. As you no, know, we course. had to reschedule this particular one a couple of times. Let's be honest. So I, I just decided if I do phone, phone interviews, you know, I can get more done. And so I was able to do one with Drew. And when he told the story of the, and I'm sure you know, of the sword uh, that he's named after, uh, after his mother. Oh, man. Uh, how can you not love someone like this? And he loves his wife. And he, uh, he, he openly gives her credit that if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't be where, where he is today. So I really, really in, enjoyed uh, talking with Drew McIntyre. Some of the names outside of, of rest, and I've, I've interviewed you know, many others as well. Just did an interview with Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, he my days. A what a man. What a man. I met him in California, WrestleCon uh, for WrestleMania 31. Sorry, it's not about me, but yeah. What another guy. Just, oh, my days. I had my Macho Man t-shirt on. He loved it. Sorry. Sorry. No, no. You. Are you kidding? He, it's just like you meet him and he's down to earth again and he wanted to know about me. It's like, no, I'm here to see you. It's like, what a human being, man. And what you just described is exactly what happened with me. He, he flipped it on me and wanted to know more about me. Uh, uh, actually gave me the DDP yoga uh, as a gift. Uh, wow. Just, oh, just, yes. Uh, so he was, he was an amazing one to interview. And, um, uh, uh, trying to think of uh, some more wrestling ori oriented. Well, uh, Scotty Tuhati, uh, oh, superstar, going back old, old school. He was an uh, uh, axe demolition in the WWE oh, and one of the super machines, by the way. Yes. But, but I first met him as the masked superstar in Jim Crockett Promotions. It's Bill Eady, his name. Amazing. In, have interviewed him. And so I've been very blessed with with making those kind of interviews, but also because I handle sports and entertainment for the newspaper, anytime a, a, a name, if you will, comes here, we, we get the Broadway series um, to come here and, and uh, put on their amazing broad national tour here in, uh, in Norfolk at the Chrysler Hall, I'll interview some of those stars. Um, tonight, as we speak, Jersey Boys, uh, will be uh, there, and I, I just I interviewed one of the actors playing Frankie Valley a couple of years ago. I interviewed Frankie Valley, who came oh, here for a concert. Wow. I, full I circle, full circle, George. Yes, yes. absolutely. Uh, here's another great name that I brag about: Tony Bennett. Yes, Tony, uh, and his was his was an incredible interview. He grew up in Astoria, which is in New York, and it's it's basically you've heard of Chinatown. Well, a story is like Greek town. Uh, that's where many Greeks live. And his best friend was, a, was a, a Greek friend. And of course, once he found out I was Greek, you know, we bonded. I was able to meet him afterwards. And, and I, I have to share the story uh, real quick. So he's, uh, Tony Bennett was the only one that his handler, for lack of a better word, because uh, I've, I've interviewed Alice Cooper, uh, you know, uh, Hank Williams Jr., uh, no one ever gave me a piece of paper that said, these are the rules you have to follow. Uh, the only one I've ever gotten on was, was for Tony. 
And the paper said, uh, if you're taking pictures, Tony has to be in the middle. Don't ask a question. If he asks, uh, respond. You know, all this very strict, uh, almost like be, be distant, get in, get out type of a thing. Um, uh, you know, if he offers his hands, shake hands. Well, they don't know George very well. So as <laughs> soon as I, I made sure, well, one of the other things I love to do is bring the actual newspaper. You know, we put everything on social media as well. But, you know, old school here. If you can have that hard copy that you can put up on your wall. So I always bring, bring one or two to give to the people that I interview. And I walked in with the paper and Tony immediately knew who I was. He goes, George. And he opened up his arms. Well, I opened up my arms. We hugged. We kissed. Uh, we, and when we took the picture, George Pontus is in the middle. <laughs> and and tony on the other side and it was just so awesome so awesome uh you broke the uh you broke the picture protocols but it was fine yes it was and and and, yeah. and tony was just such a nice humble man he's, yeah we're blessed to still have him with us he's in his 90s now and just uh so, so because of this and, and i'm sure you as well i am gonna I, you, you made a comment a second ago, it's not about you, but I am going to flip it back on you, if you don't mind, because uh, I was very pleasantly surprised to hear you say that you've been here, that you knew of me as a promoter and as the commissioner from being here in the States. So, and we have not had a chance beforehand to talk about this. So when were you in the States? Did you come just for wrestling? I've, been, I've, done, I've done seven WrestleManias. I did uh, 2008 and the uh, previously mentioned Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair. I was at Orlando. For, that wow. was the first WrestleMania I did. But scooting back even further, at six years old, I was at SummerSlam 92 in Wembley Stadium. We went down on a coach from Wales down to London. About a five, six-hour journey. You can get there quicker by train these days. You can actually get down there for, in two and a half hours to London on the on the bullet train. But yeah, uh, yeah, SummerSlam 92, went to house shows and stuff like that in between. And then 2008, WrestleMania 24, I was there. I was there for that. 26, we were out in Phoenix. My father came with me. Uh, 27 in Atlanta. Dad was there as well. Missed 28 in Miami. Uh, was in New York and New Jersey at the MetLife for 29. Uh, <laughs> we go on and on here. New Orleans for 30. When Daniel Bryan had the two matches in one night to get the title. Amazing. Uh, 31, where I met DDP at WrestleCon that weekend. We were at San Francisco Giants, Levi's Stadium. And then the last one I did was Dallas, Dallas at the Cowboys Stadium in '32. So yeah, not been for a while, but done a done a fair few, done a fair I few. I think that's awesome. And the beauty of this again is we were we were together at one of them, WrestleMania '30. I want to I want to briefly tell you my story how I went there because it was all through WWE. And then I am fa fascinated, and maybe you've done a story on this, but for those watching this for the first time, after I tell mine, I'd love for you to describe the process of how do you go from Wales all the way over here and, and, and all of that? Oh, my days. Oh, George the and me wants to hear that. George, it wasn't just one connecting flight, some of those trips. And I think New Orleans, I think we just had one connection, if memory serves. It might have been two. But one of the connecting flights was London. We had to change from Manchester to London. And uh, just, just amazing. And you know what was good? Uh, Mardi Gras was the week before in New Orleans in that weekend in 2014 but people were still partying into the Wrestlemania week Mardi Gras was like extended uh, it was just just amazing just amazing the whole thing and I was there with my dad 
And then um, the friends that I've made, I've been to several, they're all dotted about the UK and we're still in touch now. We've had weddings where everyone's been there, uh, stag parties, bachelor parties. Uh, so yeah, I've made friends for life through going over to the States when we're all from the UK. It's crazy, George. It's absolutely it, it really, crazy. It really is. And it's very... Um, I, I made a friend from England. Um, he's Indian, in Indian from India, in, in heritage. So his name is very... I, I can't pronounce it. And I wasn't prepared to tell the story, really, <laughs> for me to have it in front of me. So I apologize, my friend, if you're going to watch, watch this. But we became friends at WrestleMania 30 because of our love of wrestling. He had come over, you know, like, like you did, just to see WrestleMania. But my quick story is this. Um, when I sold the footage to, uh, to WWE, I became, I know you'll recognize this name, uh, the person that I worked out the deals with was Ben Brown. Benjamin Brown, who is the caretaker, if you will, the archivist mm -hmm. for everything yes. WWE. And you've seen him, uh, uh -huh, and he's yeah. all over. For, for those watching this, um, those of you that will now search out the um, WWE Most Wanted Treasures that you can get on Amazon. And by the way, my, I will be interviewing Ben Brown uh, in, in the upcoming weeks myself. I look uh, forward for, to that. Uh, yes, to, to get the word out even more about uh, the footage now being uh, on Amazon. So anyway, so he and I really bonded through the years and really consider him a, a very good friend. But at that time, we weren't. We were getting to know each other. And so once we agreed on a price, I, I, I had a couple of stipulations. I said, I need you to know, Ben, that there's no way I'm going to put this footage. I live in Virginia. You're up in Connecticut uh, in the mail and have it get lost. So if you want the footage, you're going to have to fly me up there so I can hand deliver. And let's be honest. And I, and I know Ben knows the story, so it's not like I'm, I'm hiding anything. I wanted to go up there. I wanted to meet Vince McMahon or, or Stephanie or Hunter or you know, anybody over there. Uh, and they were going to shake my hands and say, thank you, George. Because I also knew what sold the deal, what Hunter is a huge, never met him, huge uh, lover of wrestling history. And when he found out that I had what I referred earlier, the only known arena footage with uh, Buddy Rogers and Ric Flair, and we all know, what a huge, I, I don't want to use, the, I don't like using the word Mark. What a huge fan uh, Hunter is of, of Ric Flair. It's like he told Ben, make this deal happen. Whatever you do, make this deal happen. And so, and so I wanted to meet Hunter for no other reason, just to say, thank you for making this happen. <laughs> so anyway, so we agreed on the price. We agreed for them to uh, fly me up there. And the other thing that I said was, you know, Ben, I've never been to a WrestleMania. I've really never, never, never been to a WrestleMania. Hinting, in other words. He said, well, I'll tell you what, George, if you've never been, I'll make it happen for you. I'll, part of the deal, I'll give you two, deal, two, uh, yeah. two tickets to WrestleMania. <laughs> but I was hoping he would say without me saying it. Uh, so it really was an amazing, you know, we, we worked on, on a monetary uh, deal. But then the other thing that came out of it was the tickets to WrestleMania. And then anytime they come here to, uh, to wrestle, and we're talking 2014 when this happened. So from 2014 until now, I always, I always, always get uh, passes, uh, tickets to, to the show that I share with my friends. And so it's, it's, the, it's the deal and the gift that keeps on giving. 
And then, so now we went up there. I know I said I was going to tell the WrestleMania, but I got to tell this part as well. Do we have a couple more minutes? We do. Uh, of course we do if you tell the story. Okay, no, very good. No so, problem. So they fly me. They, they, well, before they flew me first class, I felt like I was the real million-dollar man, <laughs> Ted DiBiase. They had a limo come to my house to take me from my house to, to the airport here in Norfolk, Virginia. Then when I get into Jersey, or Kennedy, I think I flew into Kennedy. They had a limo, Vince McMahon's limo driver. I, I, the guy told me that I couldn't believe it. He was telling how the day before Hulk Hogan was sitting where I was sitting, and like, oh my God, uh, drive me up to Connecticut, put me in a very very nice hotel. We went, we uh, had the, uh, you know, we took the pictures and turned over the footage. So uh, then. Says George, you said you wanted to see the headquarters. Let's go to the headquarters. So went to the headquarters, and then he says, George, I don't know how to tell you, George, but there's there's no one here today, as oh, far as no. the McMahon family. Oh and no, Andre, any of that. So that's all right. I understand. You know, I'm here. Like I said, I've never been too greedy of a person. I was disappointed, but I was just happy that I was there. That they have the footage. That I got tickets to WrestleMania. <laughs> So uh, then he says, but I do have something else for you. Okay. And he wouldn't tell me what it was. So I walked around the headquarters over there. It was very cool to be in that presence. Uh, and then we got in the car and he drove probably about 20 minutes and we pull up. Stu, he gave me a personal tour of the warehouse. Amazing. That, I am I jealous. Love. I am jealous. I, I, I get jealous. You, do, you should be. <laughs> Everybody uh -huh. should be. I, I, and I say that in the kindest way. Yeah. I, I, I really felt like I was Charlie Bucket from uh, Willy Wonka. I had gotten the golden ticket. And I was there at, uh, at the headquarters, got to see and touch. I got in a WWE wrestling ring and I ran the ropes. Uh, oh, my God. It's just incredible. Incredible. We, hit, we didn't even touch on the story of how I was this close to becoming the real Paul Bearer. I don't know if we have time to do that now or do it another time. Uh, but uh, I got to sit on, uh, uh, got to be there when they did that whole cement thing where they tried to kill Paul Barrow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, I mean, everything was there at, the, at the, um, the warehouse and then gave me a personal tour. So it more than made up that I had not, had, you know, didn't get a chance to meet any of the McMahon family. Uh, but now, all of this was, was to tell the story of, of WrestleMania. And so I wound up, um, they flew me over there and um, had great seats. And like you, got to witness what happened with Daniel Bryan. Got to witness. I mean, I was like everybody else. And I'm sure you the same way when Brock beat the... Oh, my days. George, I've never known energy to sap from a stadium arena it was deadly silent and there was over seventy thousand people there and we know the guy with his eyes popping out you know the famous me but i have never i've been to so many shows and i have never ever just it, you could hear a pin drop couldn't you when that yes, free count yes. when that free count happened it was like even paul Heyman at ringside he was aghast. He was in shock like everybody else, I think. Because only, yeah. certain, only certain people knew about the finish, didn't they? It came yes. out afterwards. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, so to be there for those iconic moments, I've only been to that one, was incredible. 
and I'm so happy for you that you were able to make so many. Oh. And, and I pray that, you know, things get better with COVID and you're able to come, come again. And if you do, I will make sure to be one of those so we can hook up. I definitely want us to. Um, Absolutely. I would love to. I'd love to. You can't put a price on them trips. The experiences. No. I always say this to people. I'm just so glad I got to do it. You know, I, I was single at the time as well. Not, not for the Dallas one, <laughs> but the other, the other six, I was a single man. So, you know, I had the money, I had the means to do it and stuff. But yeah, yes, you know, life, yes. life, life stuff, George. But George, thank you so much for sharing your story. We've not even touched, I don't know, a tenth of what you've done in the business. So I'd love to get you back on. Commissioner for Virginia Championship Wrestling. You've been in the business for so many years. It was great to hear about Jim Crockett Promotions when you were first starting out as well and your experiences filming. And uh, I can't wait to get you back on further. Hopefully later on in the year, we can do it. We can do it again. You can come on again. I would love to. Thank you. I, I automatically accept. So I thank you for that. And remember, fans, check us out on vcwprowrestling.com for all the information as far as tickets, photo ops, and, and up-to-date information. But equally important, go to Facebook, of Virginia Championship Wrestling and on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Virginia Championship Wrestling, where you can see a lot of the matches and, and everything up to date. And um, find me, if you will, on Facebook. I will gladly accept you as a friend. I thank you, Stu. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And the Greek in me is going to ask you to do this for me, and that is to ask your beautiful wife to give you a big hug and a mwah, kiss from me i thank you so very I much think i will i will do that for you not a problem sir my guest all the way from virginia in the good old us of a by way of lesbos the greek island in greece fellow european it is george panthers commissioner for virginia championship wrestling thank you so much for coming on man appreciate it incredible story thank you thank you very much and we will do this again soon Big, big thank you to Chris Dutton for editing. As always, we are back. It's 2022. After a little break, nearly two months off. It's nice to be back. Thank you, Chris, for everything, as always. And for the introduction, Mike, Mad Dog Angus, as always. Again, thank you very much, sir. And to Evade Escape, as you can hear in the background there, and from the intro for Get Up and Move, their latest single. Thanks, guys, for allowing us to use the music. And we will see you later in the month for Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Podcast Network.